Well, how many of you remember when you were a child in the same bedroom that you played in and you were completely comfortable and at peace in during the day, became a place of foreboding and sometimes even terror at night? Anybody, anybody remember that? All right, come on, men in the place, you, you, you don't want to admit it, but you know that's the way it was. You know, during the day, the area under your bed where you'd keep toys or maybe even hide during a game of hide-and-seek suddenly became an area of great concern, as with the nighttime came the fear that something dangerous or sinister uh, was lurking under the bed. Anyone have those kind of experiences? Yes. There were seasons where if my... (laughs) If my foot would slip off the side of the bed, I was terrified (laughs) that something was going to grab it. Uh, It was the same room. It had been all day long, but when nighttime came, it just felt different. Now, those fears were the misguided fears that stem from immaturity and overactive imaginations, but there is truth uh, to the idea that nighttime is different. Places that we feel completely comfortable uh, going to during the day, often we deem those same places too dangerous to go when night comes. Things that we may feel perfectly comfortable doing during the day, uh, things like walking alone in a park or withdrawing money from an ATM, Uh, many of us would never do those things at night. There are unique dangers that the night brings. Uh, Nighttime is also a time when the busyness of the day subsides and all the things that you were too busy to think about during the day come flooding back into your mind. Responsibilities, unpaid bills, work pressures, relational problems. Uh, For some people, night becomes the dreaded time when Anxiety tries to visit. Anxiety has to be fought. And sometimes the fight is lost. We're continuing our series, Remember, today, where we're looking at verses and passages in the Bible that call us to remember things because by remembering, we can find help for our present circumstances. Remembering can change our thoughts. It can change our actions. It can change our attitudes. It can bring about an entire, entirely different outlook on life. And today we come to a passage of Scripture that acknowledges the unique challenges and dangers of the night. We're not going to look at it just yet, but here in a few minutes we're going to read Psalm 63, 1 through 8. And the 63rd Psalm was written by King David. Most believe that it was probably written during the time when David was being opposed by his own son, Absalom. You can read the story in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 18, which tell of how Absalom plotted against his father. He plotted to win the people's hearts of Israel away from his father and to himself. He eventually said in motion, a series of events where his followers declared him to be king instead of his father. He amassed an army to come against his father, and he actually pursued his father with that army. 
Being aware of Absalom's treachery, David fled from Jerusalem. He fled into the Judean wilderness and he went into hiding. He was a fugitive from his own son. If you read the account there in 2 Samuel, you'll come to 2 Samuel 17, 8 and 9, 17, 8 and 9, that tell us that at nighttime, David would separate from the rest of the people that he was with and he would spend the night alone in a cave or in some other remote place. And he did this because the nighttime presented unique dangers. The nighttime was often when David and his men were the most at risk of a surprise attack from Absalom and his army. And so David staying with his troops, it was considered to be too big of a target, too easy of of a target if he was with his troops. And so he would separate from them. He would go out alone to a remote hiding place and he would spend the night in seclusion. In the first verse of Psalm 63 that we'll look at here in a few minutes, David references being in a dry and parched land. He He was a fugitive staying in the desert. And so get this picture in your mind as we approach the text here in just a minute. David is a fugitive from his own son. He is hiding with a band of people that are loyal to him in the Judean desert. And then at nighttime, he separates from the rest of them. He goes out to a remote place and he spends the night in isolation. Those are the circumstances of the writing of this psalm. And so let's look at it now. You can follow along in your Bible if you brought it. It'll be on the screen behind me. I'll read and and you follow as I do. Here's what it says. You God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power in your glory Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. So consider again, some of this will be repetitive, some will be new, but consider again the things that David faced at night. First of all, we know that he faced danger. Again, 2 Samuel has clued us into the fact that he faced the danger of a surprise attack from a hostile army. And don't think that Absalom and his army were not aware of this practice of the king separating from his men. They were very likely aware of that. And so even though David was safer by not being with his troops, there's little doubt that his enemies probably had scouts who were searching for David's nighttime hiding place. And those were just the human threats The desert is itself a foreboding and dangerous place even without the human threats. The desert is a place where there are threats from wild animals. The Judean desert specifically is home to a number of venomous snakes 
uh, some of them quite deadly. And of course, we've seen that David called it a dry and parched land. There was no water. So David faced significant danger at night. We can also infer from the text that David dealt with sleeplessness at night, alone in the desert. Verse 6 references him being awake during the watches of the night. We can also infer from David's circumstances that he faced loneliness at night. I mean, you think about it. He was away from his home in Jerusalem. He was a fugitive. He was alone in a remote place separated from his supporters and just Think of the loneliness of being pursued by your own son. There is little doubt that loneliness would have been a nighttime visitor to David. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today, but I'm guessing that the literal nighttime is a challenge for a certain number of us here today. At nighttime, some of us become acutely aware of challenges and even dangers in our lives. Maybe the nighttime itself presents some of those to us. Those things flood our minds. Some of us here probably deal with restlessness and sleeplessness at night. Some of us probably deal with feelings of loneliness at night when everyone else is asleep and it's just you and your thoughts and loneliness visits. We can also think of night figuratively here. Night can represent any danger we face in life, even if it's not connected to the darkness of nighttime at all. Night represents seasons where life isn't going the way you want it to. Night represents times when friends have let you down. Problems feel like they're all around you. Maybe you're in a season where you feel alone, you feel abandoned by people who should have loved you. Again, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of us here today are in seasons like that right now, and maybe you've been in a season like that for a really long time. David found the answer for facing the dangers of the night, and he shares the answer in this psalm. And the answer that David found is the same for us today when we face challenges of the night, whether literal or figurative. The answer is found in verse 6, Psalm 63, David writes, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you, God, through the watches of the night. When faced with the dangers of night, David remembers God. And when we're faced with the dangers of our night, our answer needs to be, our answer is to remember God at night, to pull God into our thoughts at night. When we lay on our beds and we have thoughts of real or imagined dangers, we need to remember God at night, bring God to mind. When troubling thoughts or physical conditions cause sleeplessness, we lay on our bed and sleep eludes us. We need to remember God at night. We need to call God to mind, pull God into our thoughts. When we lay on our beds and lonely feelings visit us, we need to remember God at night. There is help 
in the middle of the night. The Lord is our nighttime helper. We just have to focus our minds on him. We have to call the Lord to mind in the middle of the night. We can remember God at night. David says that when he's on his bed, he remembers God. He says that he thinks about God during the watches of the night. So this means that he, he, he remembers God, but part of what that means is that he meditates on God. He, he focuses the mind on God. He disciplines his mind to think on the Lord when his mind is feeding him troubling thoughts. This is one of the best things you can ever do for yourself is learn to discipline your mind to think on the Lord when troubling thoughts are trying to take over your mind. And we see in this text four ways that David remembers and meditates on the Lord. They're four very closely related things. In verse 7, David says, Because you are my help, I will sing in the shadow of of your wings. He remembers that God is his helper. He remembers this as we covered in the first week of the series by remembering how God helped him in the past. He remembers all the ways that God came through for him when danger visited him before. No doubt David remembered the victory over Goliath that that God did for him. He he likely referenced in his mind the times that God had protected him and protected his sheep from the lion and the bear. He no doubt thought of the times when he had been a fugitive from King Saul, like he's now a fugitive from his own son. And he remembered how God preserved his life as he fled from Saul's murderous intentions. David remembers these things. He meditates on them. He fixes his mind on God's past help. He does this, and and he remembers times that God has been his protector. That's what the second part of verse 7 is. I sing in the shadow of your wings. It's it's like an an eagle uh, protects its its young under under the wing. So God has protected David throughout his life. Again, protected him from the lion and the bear, protected him from Goliath, protected him from Saul. Sitting alone in the cave, God likely felt in that moment, or at least David was tempted to feel like, God was very far away. Sitting alone knowing people are searching for him to try to kill him, likely tempted him to feel overwhelmed But he remembered and he meditated on the protection that God had provided him throughout his life. Now, I believe that David was sophisticated enough to know that God's favor doesn't mean you always come out on top or that everything always ends up the way that you hope it will. But he remembers the past protection from the Lord And it increases his confidence that God will protect him from his enemies yet again. But I believe it assured him most of all that God would be with him and God would take care of him no matter what. No matter what. In verse 8, David writes, I cling to you. Some translations 
uh, interpret that as I follow close to you. The idea behind this is that David remembers that God is his shield. Just as a warrior clings to his shield and puts the shield out in front of him and follows along behind his shield, David clings to God and he, he sees himself as following along behind God. God is in front of him. He remembers that God is his shield. God goes before him. God has always gone before him. He's seen it over and over in his life. And so he calls to mind in the middle of the night when he's tempted to fear. He calls it to mind. He remembers and he meditates on God, his shield. And he remembers God's power and God's authority. Verse 8, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. When the Bible speaks of God's right hand, it speaks of his power and his authority. David, in the dark of night, pursued by enemies, surrounded by danger, alone declares his confidence in God's power and authority. God is with him and God will sustain him. And verse 2 is very interesting. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. I want you to note here that David doesn't just reflect on God's past demonstrations of power on his behalf on the battlefield. He also reflects on the power that he experienced as he worshiped God in the sanctuary. I find it fascinating that this man who experienced so much of God's power out in the field references at this point his experience of God's power in the sanctuary, in the place of worship. William MacDonald writes, in memory he, David, goes back to those times when he worshiped at the sanctuary in Jerusalem to those ineffable moments when caught up in the ecstasy of sacred contemplation, he saw God in all his power and glory. Friends, worship in the sanctuary should never be taken for granted. The opportunity that worship in the sanctuary gives us to fix our minds on God, to behold his goodness, his love, his grace, his power, his authority, as we sing songs like that last song that we sang, the whole worship set was wonderful. That last song was awesome. As we sing songs like that, we are reminded of God's goodness, his love, his grace, his power, his authority. We see it. We see it. The opportunity 
should never be taken for granted. What happens in the sanctuary, what happens in worship, the encounter that you can have with God in the sanctuary can impact you in such a way that it brings comfort and courage when the night comes. And beyond what happens here, what happens when you're alone with God, when you fix your mind on Him during the good times, when circumstances are smoother, those encounters you can have with God then can become a source of encouragement when the night comes and you're not seeing God do what you want in that moment. Those previous encounters, those times when you've seen his glory, you remember his power and authority that you encountered in the past, and it encourages you in the present. I will tell you that I have had experiences with God in the sanctuary that marked me for life. I've seen God's hand at work in my day-to-day life. There's no doubt about that. But even apart from those things, just what I have encountered of God in the sanctuary has marked me in a way that even when I'm at my lowest, even when I'm tempted to quit, even when I'm questioning God, I get right down to the final analysis and I'm like, I can't. How How could I possibly walk away? I know what I know. I know what I have experienced of God. Nothing can change my mind about that. You say, well, Brian, that's good for you, but I've not really walked with the Lord, so I don't have these past experiences of seeing God come through for me. I've not been a person who's fixed my thoughts on God and encountered Him in the sanctuary. So what does all of this say to me? How can I experience this help at night? And I have four four things that I want to share with you. Here's, Here's the first one. Whether you are a believer or you have not been a believer, you can do this thing. Begin to count your blessings. Begin to count your blessings. And if you, if you need help with that, let, let me offer some ideas. Your last breath was a blessing, a gift from the hand of God. Every breath you've taken today is a gift from the hand of God. Every breath you've taken your entire life, whether you believe in God or don't, whether you've received Jesus as Savior or not, every breath you've ever taken has been a gift from the hand of God. The food that you had this morning was a blessing from God. The beautiful sunrise that we were privileged to witness, a blessing from God. Begin to count your blessings and acknowledge in your heart that every one of those things is a gift from the hand of God. And if you'll start to do this now, what you'll you'll realize is that even though you've not been alert to God's involvement in your life, his hand has been on you and blessing you in innumerable ways. It's called common grace. It doesn't matter if someone believes in God or not. He just blesses people. It's just who he is. He blesses people. So begin to count your blessings. Secondly, 
If you've never received Christ as Savior, receive him. Receive him. See, there's something that happens when you receive Christ as Savior and Lord. You get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And here's what the Holy Spirit does for you. One of, one of the many things the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives you spiritual eyes that can see things that carnal eyes cannot see. And so what the Holy Spirit does is awakens us to God's goodness and power that is all around us that we were blinded to before because the enemy had blinded us to it. And so our eyes are opened and we see God's goodness and power. Maybe you say, hey, I've been a believer. I haven't been seeing God's goodness and power. Well, perhaps you're a believer who needs to rededicate yourself to the Lord. Perhaps you're a believer who needs to turn away from the things that have been distracting you from your Savior and recommit yourself to living for Him so that you can once again, like I'm sure you did at some point in the past, begin to see God's power and authority more clearly. You know, believer, sin has a way of fuzzying up our eyesight. Sin has a way of dulling our eyesight. And we start to lose track of the goodness and the, and the power of God, even though we're believers. And so we need to turn away from sin. We need to turn back to God and see clearly his power and his authority. Third, just ask God to begin to reveal his power and authority to you. Ask him to do so through his word. As you read about his power and authority in the word, ask him to allow that to become real to you. That's another thing the Holy Spirit does for us. Ask him to reveal his power and authority through direct experiences that you have with him, like during worship. Ask him to open your eyes to the way that God has helped you throughout your life that you've previously been blinded to. Just ask God, show me your power. Show it to me. Fourth, commit yourself to never wasting an opportunity to experience the presence and power of God. Come to worship on Sunday mornings fully committed to fix your mind on Jesus. Seeing one another is a wonderful part of Sunday morning worship. Fellowshipping with believers, having donuts after service, drinking coffee before service, these are all wonderful things. We need each other. We, we've, we talk about that a lot around here. But there is nothing that is more important that we do on Sunday mornings than come into the sanctuary, fix our minds on Jesus, and behold, his majesty, his glory, his power. So come, open to encountering him. Do it each Sunday in worship. And do it by spending time alone throughout your week 
in his word and in prayer. Do it each and every day. If we will do these four things, I'm confident that God will reveal himself to you. That you'll start to be able, like David, when night comes and danger lurks, you'll start to be able to remember God's help. Remember that God is your protector and shield. You'll be able to remember your experiences where the power and authority of God became real to you and marked you in a way that you were never able to be the same again. It's happened for a lot of people in this room. And it can happen for you. David is a great example for us that when the night comes and we face the dangers that the night presents, that we need to turn to God, we need to remember God at night. Whether you're facing challenges that are connected to the literal nighttime, sleeplessness, loneliness, overwhelming thoughts, or, or whether you're facing those figurative challenges that we just use night to represent them, those times when you're just in a season of trouble in your life, whichever it is for you, David's example, the Scripture's appeal, my appeal to you is to remember God at night. And when we do, we can say what David said in verses 3 through 5 of the 63rd Psalm. At night we can say, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Absalom's pursuing me. <laughs> They're looking for where I'm sleeping right now. There might be a snake behind that rock I'm about to lay my head on. There's all kinds of danger around me. But God, because your love is better than life, in this circumstance, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest foods, with singing, my mouth will praise you. We can say that like David said it in the middle of the night. Let that be true for all of us here today. Why don't you stand?